Hello and welcome back to Ars Arcanum, an exploration of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere Universe. I'm Nora, I'm joined by Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. And we're joined by Autumn. I'm Autumn. And um And we're joined by Rayadin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's oh, here. God. <laughs> Live from Elantris. He's powering <laughs> He's powering a, a computer and a microphone off of um the the door. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> he has a Sion. And we have a floating glowing head of Rayadin here talking into the microphone. Oh uh, yeah. That's what it is for sure. Does anybody have book stuff to talk about outside of I do not. I have nothing. I just didn't read. I bought some books. I went to a bookstore oh, yesterday, those look sold sick. some books. I'm excited. I um I only picked up two books, but a couple of weeks ago, I was going through, like, lists of fantasy books. Um, like, I, I was specifically going through lists of, like, 20th century fantasy books because I wanted to try and not get, like, here are all the good fantasy books that came out in the last 10 years that you've heard about a thousand times. And I saw Dragonflight, and I saw the Dragon Riders of Pern series, and I was like, I think I'm going to get into Pern this year. And the you, I'd never mentioned this to you, you went and picked up Dragonflight at, uh... Yeah. Half price books, so I feel like that's going to be our next because thing. it's always the thing that people point at when they criticize Aragon that mm. you stole from this book. It's like I don't the know. Main thing the seems main like thing more I than know, one book could have dragons. The main thing I know about <laughs> well, Pern from when I was like you know reading a ton of fantasy when I was in like middle school and high school and I guess elementary school too is that I thought I was too good to read Pern because it was homophobic. Mm. Mm. but it's not that it has dragons it's that it has dragon riders as a concept of like people bonded okay empathically to dragons okay yeah i do as think a... that is i do think that's like that is a just lot of books have that Aragon but Kern is that. kind of famous for it As a kid, I was like, oh, I can't read that book. It's homophobic. And as an adult, I'm like, I gotta read that book. It's homophobic. (laughs) I like Salem's Lot. (laughs) Also, like, in in fairness, the way in which it's homophobic is something that, like, as an adult, I'm like, damn, that sounds fascinating and weird. Because it's like, people, (laughs) it has to do with, like, if you are bonded to your dragon. And then, oh, God, it's like the two humans... If two humans are fucking, then their bonded dragons are also mm-hmm. fucking, or something like that. And it's okay. and in Aragon, it's the other way around. Wait, what do you <laughs> mean dragons. it's the other way around? <laughs> the are dragons, the, the dragons mate. Yes, and the humans don't. The humans do not. Okay, the humans well, okay. pointedly stand next to each other and try to ignore that they're mind linked. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I could also... Look, I never read these books, so it's very possible that I'm misrepresenting the details of what happens when the dragons mate with each other. But I just know that there was some complication relating to that that meant that you couldn't be gay humans because your dragons would have a problem with it somehow. Okay. Huh. What's the other book you picked up at Half Price, Nora? Uh, it's, it's a compilation... 
of three um, books, which appear to be, according to Wikipedia, pretty far down in the uh, in the series Warlock of Grammarine. Grammar? Grammar. Grammar? Grammar? I don't know. I can't read it's this one. I don't know fantasy words. Yeah, it's it's a, I think it's a misspelling of a a possibly real word, but gra- grammarai. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe Wikipedia has a title as a has a typo. Anyway, uh, here's a sentence from <laughs> the Wikipedia page for the first book in the series. Which is, as the Vietnam War continued, Stashev's novel clothed his thinly veiled commentary about the proper uses of government and democracy in a fantasy about interstellar travel, fairies, unusual flora, and refugees fleeing persecution. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Apparently it centers on Rod Galloglass, a scent agent. (laughs) Scent is like the word scent, like, like a smell, but in all caps. Uh, I have a compilation of three books from that appear to be the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth, and ninth books in the series. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the compilation is called Odd Warlock Out, um, and the first book is The Warlock Heretical, which starts off with, um, well, it starts off with four kids playing rock, paper, scissors all at once together. And their talking horse uh, chastises them for thinking that that would work out. Um, but also, like, broadly, it starts off with they're on this planet and then the head of the church decides that he is declaring their church separate from the main church, uh, which is the Catholic church on Earth. Um, uh, okay. And... <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what would an Earth man know of our troubles, or why we resolve our issues of faith the way that we do? Because we're on a different planet, is basically the pitch here. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go, and I don't know where it has gone, since this is apparently the seventh book, but I'm interested. The only problem so far is that Everyone doth talk in a manner which vexes me. <laughs> I think that's what you're going to get when you get, like, the seventh book in a fantasy series from, I'm guessing, the 90s? Oh, uh, well, the first one came out in 1969. The oh, Warlock wow. article came out in 1987. Yeah, this is from All 87. Right. The last book in the series, apparently, came out in 2004. Wow. Uh, Damn, that's this author also series? has a series called Starship. You go, sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say uh, a fantasy series that has been publishing since '69 and was still publishing in 2004. That is impressive. I'm impressed. To be fair, there's a big gap between '91 and '04. Yeah, and sure, the last but... one is called The Warlock's Last Ride. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, but. I was just going to say, this author has another series called Starship Troopers, but Troopers 
is spelled like an acting troupe or so i think it's going to be bards in space that sounds dumb well uh <laughs> it occupies the same continuity as warlock of Gamerai and rogue wizard oh i gotta read rogue wizard. you gotta read rogue wizard <laughs> set in the 26th century after the human race has established colonies on distant planets uh, interstellar commerce support, supports Terra, Earth, sometimes affectionately known, affectionately known as Old Earth, in the Terran sphere of world. The novels follow the establishment and subsequent, subsequent journeys of the Star Theater Company, the first ever interstellar theater troupe. <laughs> wow. So you were right. <laughs> this is a lot. This guy's written so many books. As was the case when you wrote sci-fi in the 60s, I guess. Mm -hmm. You just wrote 70 books. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that, is, uh, that is sort of the way. But, uh... Ooh. Rogue Wizard starts with a book called A Wizard in Bedlam. That's... But regardless, um, that's all I've been up to. I'm gonna try and poke my head into this it, it's we'll see i flipped through and like the other books in the series don't have this kind of language so i don't know what is up with that maybe it's different worlds maybe different planets speak different but hmm. should we move on to elantris no <laughs> okay um where can people find you online <laughs> let's <laughs> like, just fuck elantris this week never mind <laughs> we watched Godzilla this morning. We're talking about Godzilla. <laughs> All right, chapter thirty-four, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I gotta talk. You gotta look at the screen. I know. I know. I just don't want to. I don't want to talk about Raiden. I hate him. Serena's not any better. We're gonna get through this. Shayor's following. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are. No, you're good, you're good. Shaor's followers join Raiden's crew and bring Shaor's wig as a token of submission. They prove to be good, docile, mindless workers. Raiden insists that Galadon and Karada learn about Aeondor to take over his studies in case he succumbs and becomes Hoed. Raiden <laughs> explains another incremental discovery that he has made. The slime around the city was a special kind of mold that was attracted to the glowing stones of Elantris and subsequently died and rotted when the door-fueled illumination failed. They talk about how Seons work, though Raiden is unable to discover any new information about them. Dash? Who's Dash? <laughs> I got no idea. <laughs> he was one of the first ones, I think. Dash informs Raiden that Hraithan's transformation has been reversed. Uh, this is um, this is the first use of the name Dash on the summary page. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever this is, he hasn't been important enough to be mentioned in the summaries before now. Well, Dash is an Elantrian from Cell. He's Karada's second in command. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Coppermind. <laughs> yeah. Um. This chapter, nothing happens. That's mm. well. Okay. It's not that nothing happens. It's two parts. You got one page break. So, so the first part is just Raiden reflecting on how Shaor's people are 
mindless, degenerate, uh, docile, docile, um, untrustworthy. They brought they untrustworthy. Quote: They brought him her head, or at least her wig, and like the the narrator said, they had brought him her head, and my heart dropped <laughs> that they were going it's, to. It's fine because it then follows up with nobody ever found her body. Yeah, it's it's very strongly implied that they killed her, because uh, they did just bring mm-hmm. the wig, so, but the wig is stained with blood. So the. The, the 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 in review, the degenerate savages sacrificed a young girl for their new god. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. I, I remember last week we talked about the idea of like is Rayadin a colonizer or is he like metaphorically doing colonization? Uh-huh. And I think I was like a little cautious about applying those terms, but like. Holy uh-huh. shit, the language in this chapter is so, like, it's literally just, like, these people, because they're so mindless, it makes them good workers, but you can't really trust them, and they have this, like, primitive religion, it's so bad, ah! Oh my god! <laughs> I have nothing to say about this that we didn't already say last week, except, yeah, like, I, I feel the same way, that, like, Everything we were talked about from last week is just a hundred times worse, and it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. Can we just get Rayadin out of Elantris? <laughs> Maybe he'll do something when he's not just sitting there being a villain. We're we're going to watch uh, King Kong for our other podcast next month, mm-hmm. and somehow Elantris has gotten to King Kong levels of racism, which I did not expect. <laughs> Also, I just, I just can't take, okay, usually Brandon is pretty good about nonsense words, fantasy nonsense words, Uh huh. but the page here does say, take over for his studies in case he succumbs and becomes hoed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, something else I wanted to touch on, because it's been happening more and more, but it really hit me this week. Um, the narrator does not know how to pronounce the fantasy nonsense words either. Um, because before he was saying Fortin, now he's changed to Forton. And he also, this week he said Hode. Um, (laughs) This week, um, I think he said, I think he said Rathin or something for Hraithen. Can we get Kate in here or something? <laughs> I know. This week, the the narrator fully checked out. Uh, <laughs> you know, that seems like a real... Like, I'm not saying... It is very confusing when you're reading the book because the pronunciations you're supposed to go with don't feel natural as, like, an English speaker. However, there is a pronunciation guide for this book on Brandon's website. <laughs> <laughs> but it only covers, like... 30 names. Mm-hmm. And by names, I mean words and names. I just feel like saying, hey, Brandon, can I get a sheet to look at that tells me how to pronounce all the names while I'm recording the audiobook? I feel like that's not a huge ask. No, that really seems um, like a... That seems like the first thing that, like, the producer for the audiobook should have done. Yeah. And... 
And also, I think last week or two weeks ago, he switched from Iodon to Iodon without... Mm. <laughs> anyway. Posthumous. He has a new name. Now that he's... Oh, God. We'll get there. Now that he's fucking dead. Um, the second half of the raid in chapter all about... Um, the the fungus is just boring to me. I don't care. I mean, I do think I just don't. Care. I do think it's really fucking hilarious that we learned that Elantris was always covered in mold, <laughs> and that the Elantrians were just fine with it. It wasn't a problem for them. Look, it made the light better. It made everything shine differently. That made it cooler. Oh. It is really funny when Raiden says, it seems like they were bothered by it for a little while, but then they realized it looked kind of neat and they left it. <laughs> also, also that, uh, you know, and I think this has kind of been, like, suggested before, but I always thought it was sort of metaphorical, but no, like, literally everything in Elantris glowed all the time. Which, like, does not, <laughs> like... First of all, the obvious question is brought up, like, how did anyone sleep with that? And uh, Raiden's like, well, you could cover it up. And people just got used to it, which is like, okay, fine. That's the nice no prize answer to that obvious question. But, like, what's more important to me is that I feel like it's aesthetically really bad. Like, it doesn't give me the impression of, like, ah, mm. this, like, holy city of gods. Like, the the people themselves glow. So I feel like if everything around them also glows, that makes the people glowing seem much less interesting and impressive. If they leave Elantris and like go outside, they're like, whoa. Yeah, they probably have a hard <laughs> the time seeing. The colors seeing. are all weird. <laughs> it just, yeah, it, it feels like, um, it feels like there's not a lot of like, uh, sense of like, visual style it's just the idea that well when things glow that's like cool and magic so if everything glowed that would be even more cool and more magic what if you installed flux on your eyes <laughs> <laughs> the other thing here is that this i haven't raised this question before because i felt like for the most part it's been pretty reasonably like hand waved away this feels like the first thing where I'm like, why did uh, Galadon not just know this? This feels like something Galadon would have just known as a person who used to live here. Like, it feels like somebody would have mentioned, oh yeah, there's mushrooms everywhere that glow. I There's algae fucking everywhere. I have a question. Yeah. And maybe they... It's just that... This entire city doesn't have a sewer. <laughs> and on top of that, they don't seem to have toilets. Well, so, wait a minute. Kai has a sewer, as we know, because there was uh, evil yes. rituals happening there. And there was actually a discussion, mm -hmm. if I recall, about how, like, oh, in the past this sewer was actually used as like you know like a sewage system uh but now it doesn't work anymore and like there's just literally uh shit piling up in there um like it's not mm -hmm. like a flowing water system that actually would keep the city clean um but so that made it sound like the elantrians had like installed a plumbing system in kai 
did they do that just in Kai and not in their city? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, maybe they just drew the Vanish Me Poopums <laughs> symbol oh. in, the, in the air. Fuck. And... I did feel, uh, like, because this reveal that everything was covered with mold, but they just didn't mind it. Like, it did make me think about that stupid J.K. Rowling thing, because it's like, it is something that to, like, a normal human being, a normal... Like, any... Like, a normal person, if they're thinking about, like, would I like to live a life in which I'm covered with mold all the time? I think I think most people would find that unpleasant, even repellent, in much the same way that the idea of like, would I like to live a life in which I just shit my pants whenever I need to, that also seems deeply unpleasant. And so the fact that you can come up with a magic explanation for how this wasn't like a practical problem for life doesn't fix the fundamental <laughs> objection. <laughs> like <laughs> p- humans are not purely rational like oh well I guess the mold doesn't bother me so I will not do anything about it like humans get bothered by all sorts of things <laughs> to be fair I have certainly left messes because they don't bother me um that's a little different <laughs> <laughs> your your mess is not that our entire apartment is covered in mostly harmless fungus <laughs> Look, when you turn on the light, it really draws the room together, you know? Uh, also, yeah, okay, I, I just double-checked that the it was explicit that the Kai sewer system ran on Elantrian magic because Elantrian magic provided running water in all the houses. Um, so I, I just, now I'm really curious about this. Nora, are you sure that it was, like, established that there's no sewers in Elantris? I don't know that. Um, I'm trying to find my pirated copy of the book that I just downloaded <laughs> well, last week. I did just search but, the book for the word sewer, and uh, the word sewer only shows up in the Serini chapter from last week. Uh, so I think there's no discussion as to whether Elantris has a sewer system. Um, I would be... It is possible that it doesn't. I, I hate that thought. There's just been there's just <laughs> been no mention of oh we could use the sewers to get around or oh that's a special chamber that the Elantrians use with a special symbol for cl- clean or something. You would stand in this little like like in Aragon they have rooms with a little little dip in the floor. Okay. Where you stand in the dip and you do your magic to clean I don't, yourself. There's just you're objecting to the fact that we've not seen an Elantrian bathroom, and I can't agree with you there. I don't want to know. I do not want to know about an Elantrian bathroom. I do not want to know about the state it's in after like ten years of the lack of the magic that made it run. I, I just want to know: Does everything glow? Oh, God. I hate this. Nora! Let's move on to chapter 35, please. Let's let's do that. There's nothing to talk about in this chapter. We've covered the two points, which are horrific racism. Even though they're explicitly the same race as him, but it's still really racist. It's somehow... Um, 
and slime. So let's fucking go. Slime. Chapter 35. Okay. Chapter 35. Serini and Aventeo, her dad, uh, discuss the political implications of Eodon's dethroning and suicide? Serini eats... Serini eats lunch and taunts her father, who is dieting. Eventeo says that Tellery will likely take the throne, but Serini counters that he would be a terrible king, and that all efforts are being made to make Royal the next king. Eventeo uh, tells Serini that Sainalon, the Karathi patriarch, is heading for Erelon for some unknown purpose. Uh, so that's basically the, the Pope, the Karathi Pope. Serini learns that the city guard mm -hmm. has joined forces with Tellery, Shudin suggests their best plan of action is to have Serini marry Royal to combine their wealth, which would be sufficient to promote Royal's claim to the throne over Telri's. Serini and Royal accede to this plan and discuss the consequences and contingencies of putting it in motion. Serini and Royal learn that Hraithan has been cured of his condition and departed Elantris to return to Kai. <sighs> so... The thing that I struggled with the most um, that I don't think is even mentioned here is the... And, okay. First of all, lots of tonal whiplash in this uh -huh. conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So first we have someone setting up Iadon with, a, with the means to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Followed by banter about being overweight and have, being on a diet. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then coming back around to talk about the succession crisis. Uh-huh. Um, I want to emphasize the, the actual way that Eodon getting the means to commit suicide is described. Uh, yeah. His uh, Venteo and Serini are talking. Her father laughed. So, tell me about Eodon. How in Domi's name did he get a rope? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, implying... Like, Eventio is reasonably suspicious, I will say, that his daughter murdered the king. <laughs> and is pretty jokey about it. Like, ah, oh, you killed our ally. <laughs> and, and Serini's reaction is basically like, yeah... Uh, I think it was Andel, you know, my ally. This is pretty convenient for me. I... We'll get into, like, what actually happens in this chapter in just a second. I just wanted to briefly touch on the fact that I feel like a fool, because last week I was like, oh, I'm curious what the consequences for Eodon and, um... Serini's relationship will be in the next chapter. Uh, none. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Not none. only is this convenient for Serini, it's very convenient for the plot. Yeah, <laughs> it's convenient for Brandon. <laughs> uh, I. It seems like Brandon just got tired of Eodon as a character and just shuffled him off. Yeah. I, I feel like it's such a weird and, like, messed up mistake to introduce this huge twist in the king's character, which is that he's part of a secret, terrifying cult, and then just, like, mm -hmm. immediately kill him off so we don't get to learn anything about how that changes our perspective on this guy. You know? You even... 
I don't know that I would have liked this better. You could have killed him off in the next Serene chapter. I just would have really liked a conversation with Iodon about, so, cult shit. Yeah. What's that about? I feel... <sighs> but no, Iandel is just like, hey, here's a rope. I feel like, um, like the, uh, we've had this picture of Iodon as somebody who is, like, really stupid and, like, honestly seems very bad at keeping secrets. And then it turns out he's had a secret this whole time. And, like, you know, okay, I'm not necessarily saying you have to be smart to be doing, like, dark human sacrifice rituals or whatever, but, like... It's a complication on him, you know? It makes him more interesting than this really flat character he's been this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but no. Just gone. Out of the story now. And I'm sure we're not gonna get, yep. like, any kind of flashback or, like, further information about what Iodon has been doing all this time. I bet we're not even gonna find out how he found out about the Jaskari Mysteries, like, how he was initiated into them. Like... I don't think we're going to hear about any of that shit. I think he's just gone now. I think he's just out of the story. And it's it's boring and it sucks. And and yeah, it is sandwiched between like, oh, haha, jokes about Sereni being bloodthirsty and weird tangents about, oh, well, the Jindo believe that if something can burn, it's bad for you, so... You need to stop having so much butter and wine, Dad. But but I can have it because I'm an attractive young woman. Um, By the way, I it, I'm pretty sure that you cannot just burn a stick of butter because butter actually has a pretty high water content in it. Like um, mm-hmm. this is why if you ever want to brown butter, which is a nice thing to do because it tastes good, you have to like kind of heat it slowly for a while to evaporate all the water off of it to allow it to get to the point where it can start to brown um like butter is not just uh pure fat um yeah it's like yeah i was thinking about this exact thing i was like i don't know that brandon knows how butter works because you can't just like hold up a match to a stick of butter and just like light it on fire like like you could with alcohol like i just was like this isn't how this... That's not what butter does when you heat it up like, at all. I'm sure... If it, if it did, people would not cook with I'm it. I'm sure, like... <laughs> okay, like, you know, I, I, I guess, theoretically... Because, you know, the way that oils in general burn, it's not like you just stick a match on them. It's not like gasoline. Um, like, if you want to mm-hmm. use an oil lamp, you need, like, a wick. So I guess it's possible that if you melted butter and put a wick in it, you could maybe get that wick to light. But... This is what Nora is looking at a picture of on the internet as we oh, speak. Is there, a, is there such a thing as like a butter oil lamp? Uh, How to make a... a MacGyver style emergency butter candle. Okay. All right. I still think that this is... Uh, it, the idea that like just butter burns is like a, a straightforward thing that everyone knows sounds a little ridiculous to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's... Also, the whole premise of if it burns, it's bad for you is like meat burns. Yeah, if you set, if you <laughs> drop a, a piece of meat like into a fire, or like you, you know, if you're grilling <laughs> and your meat falls through the yeah. grills, it'll burn. Um, bread, yeah, bread will also definitely burn. Um, I guess most vegetables are probably wet enough that 
they would more, like, kind of smolder and wilt. But, on the other hand, like, I bet if you throw a green bean on a fire, it'll, like, fizz and smoke, but eventually it'll burn. Like, <laughs> I think... <laughs> like, they make that joke in this chapter about burning soup. Yeah. I just... Well, and it also... It also, to me, because um, uh, the Jindo people have been sort of analogous to, like, real-world, like, Asian people, East Asian people, um, it did feel weird to throw in an aside about how, like, they're really knowledgeable about, like, health in ways that, like, other people are not, because that just feels like a stereotype of East Asian people a lot of the, in a lot of media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, I mean... <laughs> It didn't feel great to me. No, I agree. This is just more, like, weird shit about Jindo food, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. More Serini stuff. Other stuff in this chapter. Um, Serini hates the Pope. Serini hates the Pope. (laughs) She does do that. (laughs) This episode is all about hating Popes. I mean, like, you know, I, I find it perfectly believable that the Pope sucks. Like, I think most Popes throughout mm-hmm. history have sucked. Um, mm-hmm. There might be one good one in there somewhere. I don't know enough about Popes. I wasn't raised Catholic or around Catholics. Yeah, I, I mean, you uh. know, I guess, like, when I say most Popes have sucks, sucked, that's because I think the Catholic Church is, like, an evil institution. Um, and, you know, Serini likes yeah. her church. She just doesn't like her Pope. Hmm. Um, it, it is kind of like, I don't know, it's weird, because she's been portrayed as, like, deeply attached to her religion in the past, right? Um, but we haven't seen that. We just have been told that she is a religious person. Yeah. Like, literally, we've seen more of of Iodon's religious practices than we have Serene. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> At least he got to have communion or whatever. You know, I do wonder, I wonder if this is actually, like, actually is kind of a Catholic thing. Because it's true that in the real world, there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, culturally Catholic. For whom it matters to them Mm. a lot that they are Catholic. It's like part of their heritage or whatever. But who don't... And have strong opinions about the Pope. Yeah, who don't like the Pope very much. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, that's a real thing that exists, but... um, if that's what Serini is supposed to be doing here, it's a very, like, flattened and weird version of it. Because um, it's not like she has... It's not like... First of all, it's not like she has a purely cultural connection to this religion. She has been portrayed as believing that the religion is true. Like, that's been a big part of what she's said about it. Um, so it's not like some Catholics in the real world who... You know, perhaps they do believe in God, but they don't believe that most of, like, Catholic doctrine is correct because they, like, you know, have some basic sympathy for, like, women and colonized people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, also there are there are Catholics who are, like, not just culturally Catholic, but are, like, uh, religiously, religiously believe in a lot of Catholic doctrine, but who hate the Pope because they're, like... You know, they believe in, say, liberation theology or other, like, kind of, like, left movements within the church. And, you know, I'm sure there are other Mm -hmm. reasons to hate the Pope that aren't about uh, being a leftist, but... um, 
The p- <laughs> they're like, I liked it better when the Pope looked like Palpatine. <laughs> uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make here is that usually if somebody is Catholic but hates the Pope, it has something to do with a break with the theology of the current religion. Whether it's because the person just actually isn't really religious at all, or if they follow like a, an, a sort of strain of Catholicism that is different than the mainstream... Um, but, like, uh, Serene just seems to dislike him personally, and that's weird. Like, if she believes that he is the head of their faith, and that her god, Domi, put him in charge, like, how does that not raise any questions for her about, like, why did Domi choose this asshole? I mean, what she (laughs) says is, like, even fools serve and they're like the same shit that Hraithan says about the heretics right mm. but it's like it's a weird like the idea of like oh yes even fools like god made fools in this world and they have their own part to play you know okay whatever that's a perspective it's kind of a weird one i think but but it's i think that falls down completely when you're talking about the actual head of your church who is someone with i would presume immense influence maybe it's just purely like Oh, I've had dinner with this guy. He's kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is it. Uh, I I get. <sighs> I just, you know, maybe Serene's relationship to her religion is a totally um, unthought through one. You know, it's just what she's been raised mm-hmm. to believe, so she believes it's true, and also she knows this guy personally and knows he sucks, but she has no interest in thinking about. Her religion and thinking about why Domi would make the choice to, uh, you know, elevate this man because she just doesn't think about her religion or what its precepts mean at all. I guess that is the conclusion I have to draw from what I'm seeing here. But damn. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to talk even more about religion here in a second. The other thing in this chapter Mm -hmm. that uh just sucks is like Serene resignedly um she's she's no longer because of Iodon's death no longer like married to Rayadin mm-hmm. um and so she's going to marry Royal for Royal with cheese to get the throne um <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You know, we, um, we haven't commented at all on the fact that this guy who is, like, probably one of the most noble nobles and who maybe is going to become the king is named Royal. <laughs> it's been, I've thought it every time he's come up and I've shown remarkable restraint until this moment. <laughs> um, I think it's supposed to be Royal. The the narrator pronounced it Royal. That's all I know. Is this? It might. Is this me? One of the. Sorry, go on. Hmm. I'm just checking to see if it's one of the cho- Royal. Okay. Royal. It's it's emphasis on the row. It's Royal. So oh. the the narrator has led me astray. Royal. It is Royal. <laughs> if you say it slowly and emphasize it, yes, but Royal. Royal. Do you hear how the word I'm saying is basically the same word as royal? I mean, also, we're not saying elantris. Um, 
And like, uh, is this, is, is, is Royal better or worse than the magic force being named Door? <laughs> I forgot about that shit. <laughs> um, I think it's worse because it's too on the nose. Yeah. Like um, the, for me. The thing about the door is that it's meaningless and stupid. The thing about this is that it's, it, it's too obvious in its meaning. It feels like a first pass. It feels like a, oh, I'm going to give this guy a better name. Maybe he used to be I... Hercules and now he's... <laughs> it... Anyway, um, and um, we are assured several times in this, in this uh, section here that it will be a purely political marriage and she will have no sexual obligations. So we've really... We've walked that back. Pivoted away from, uh, <laughs> you know, everything that was talked about early in the book is now just like, oh, no, no, that was all jokes. Just jokes. Don't worry. We're not going to make um, Sereni do that because Sereni's good. Yeah, I think it um, honestly is that uh, he was like, oh, well, I like Sereni and I respect her, so I'm not going to Yeah, I think it is just that he respects her. Yeah. <laughs> um... Just looking at the official BrandonSanderson.com pronunciation guide for Elantris, and there's like 12 names here. Oh, I we've for- been saying Sereni wrong? It's, uh, oh. It, it's Sereni if you want to get technical, or Serene is acceptable. Uh, Elantris. No, this is stupid. Kayain. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bow <laughs> no. to Brandon's ridiculous insistences on how he pronounce his words. If he really cared about this, a he would have put it in the book. B he would have told the audiobook narrator about it. I feel like mm-hmm. since he didn't bother with either of those things, I'm not going to listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Aralon. It's Aralon. Screw this. <laughs> Aralone? Aralone. I think that's Aralone? I think that's the oh, title of the episode. Aralone, screw this. <laughs> Aralone? Um It's Ahane? Ahane? Ahane. That is how the it's K Ice and Ahane is how the narrator pronounces it. Anyway. The, uh, unfortunately, there's no Fortin on this list, so we just don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. He, he's Fortin in the, my heart. We got the demonym for him, though. Mm-hmm. A subject of, fro- of Hrovel is a Hroven. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I guess I, I guess I don't have much to say about this uh, marriage, other than... Um, it, there's so little foreshadowing in this book, and when there is, it's so obvious as to be boring, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing about how, oh, well, Serene, when I die in a couple of years, the marriage contract will let you get married to someone else, so don't you worry. You and your third husband will be the king and queen of Elantris, and um, you and your third husband, and you know, don't you worry. You You can get married to someone else after me. Um, it's just so clearly, like, setting up that, like, right. Raiden and her are going to be married. It's going to be Raiden. Um, has he considered this tactic of, like, marrying into the royal line to, like, help convert people? He should. That would be great. He was hitting on Eodon this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> um... 
I yeah, I don't have anything else about that other than it just sucks. Just sucks. Uh, also, at the end of this chapter, we get to see Hrithan mm-hmm. healed. Yeah. Of his miraculous... He's out walking around yeah. in Kai. Uh, and now it's time for the Hrithan chapter. Yeah. Usually, where things get good, <laughs> this time is the maybe the weakest Hrithan chapter, in my opinion. It, it is better than the previous two. It's kind of... We're spinning some wheels. I, I'm going to read the summary. Yeah, read the summary. Hrathen wakes on the fifth day of his arrival in Elantris and is very weakened, but the symptoms of his fake transformation have disappeared, and he demands and gains admittance back to Kai from the Elantris city guard captain. Hrathen returns to his chapel, preaching that Janeth had healed him. Diloph apologizes for doubting Hrathen, though there is still tension between them. Hrathen finds that someone rifled through his belongings, though they apparently didn't discover his CO. Hrathen summons Dothgen, a Raftborn monastery-trained assassin, for a secret purpose. <laughs> okay. I So, I went along with what you were saying, and now that you read that summary, you're totally wrong. This chapter's great. Hrathen's great. Um, I, I remember what happens in this chapter, which is that Hrathen just stands up and is like, I am healed by Jadith's grace, and just, like, walks up to Diloph and is like, fuck you, I'm better now. <laughs> and then just walking around in his big fucking priest armor, talking about how great Jadith is and making proclamations, I love it. I was eating this shit up. <laughs> Diloph is just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I, I feel like this is... A chapter where, unlike many Hraithan chapters, like, not a lot happens. Because we knew this was going to happen soon. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, it's not really surprising that he's healed. Like, we knew the potion was going to wear off. Um, But I do agree with Autumn that, like, the specifics of how he acts in the moment are pretty great. Um, I think it's very funny uh, that uh, at first, when he, when, like, in the moment when the potion wears off, when he, like, stands up and hollers, Behold! Witness the power and glory of Lord Jadith! I have been healed! No one... No one hears him? <laughs> it's so It's funny. so good! It's so good! <laughs> Just picturing, like, the fucking French guard from Monty Python and the Holy Grail peeking over the Elantra's wall, like, You what? <laughs> guard's attention after this but his initial like yell is just for him that's just a little treat for Hrathen <laughs> it's so uh, good my you know it's just like like dancing you gotta preach like no one is listening yeah. <laughs> um my only disappointment from this chapter is that um before he like kind of pulls himself out of his dehydrated stupor um, he's think he's like having these memories of how messed up that monastery was, oh. and how you know they turned people into demons, and he had to go to a different monastery. I thought that fucking. I, I like that. I wanted more. Oh, I yes. want so much more. Well, I feel like we've been teased so much, and I thought we were gonna get some, and I was like, ah, oh, dang. Well, okay, I I think that uh, this chapter is the most we've ever gotten about what these. Uh, you know, uh, 
Fjordel monasteries are about. And I agree with you, it's it's not a lot, but I found it like enticing and exciting, especially because I think that once this other monk, this assassin monk shows up, I bet we're going to hear more. Um, yeah. At the very least, I bet we're going to hear more about what his assassin monk training is like. And I think that'll probably be an occasion for Hraithan to have another one of these things where he's like, ah, what they did to me at that other monastery. You know? Um, <laughs> they gave me the 5G. <laughs> <laughs> Can, do you mind if I read like this paragraph where he's thinking about this stuff? Mm-hmm. So This is ahead. one of my favorite lines in the whole book that you're about to read, I think. Yeah, so he says, um, he's, he's, you know, he's having hallucinations as he's uh, continuing to kneel motionless and pray. Uh, the delusion soon changed, however. He no longer saw faces, no longer felt humiliated and scorned. In their place, he was confronted with something much more horrid. Memories of Dahor. Once again, the dark, hollow cubicles of the monastery surrounded him. Screams echoed through the black stone hallways, cries of bestial agony mixing with solemn chanting. Chanting that had a strange power to it. The boy Hraithan knelt obediently, waiting, crouched in a cubicle no larger than a closet, sweat streaming past terrified eyes, knowing that eventually they would come for him. Rathbor Monastery trained assassins. Fjeldor Monastery trained spies. Dahor. Dahor Monastery trained demons. So he went <laughs> He went to a torture monastery to learn to be, like, evil. <laughs> <laughs> But he couldn't take it, which we learn at the end of this chapter that that um, uh, Hraithan had actually been moved to a different place, Gajan Monastery, mm-hmm. because the horror proved too much for him. Um, it's <laughs> so. I was browsing around on Brandon Sanderson YouTube again this week, as I wanted to do, and. Um, one of the ways I heard him describe his writing style was that he wants his writing to be like a like a glass window, um, oh, and he wants you to be able to he wants you to be able to like look in and see things like very plainly, you know, and just like you are observing the events and the lives of these people in a very plain, no frittles sorts of sort of way. That doesn't surprise um, me, but I also think it's very boring as an artistic goal it is it is i think um i i think it i think it works for him in later books i don't think it works in this book but i think it works in later books because like it allows him to bring the focus to be the plot and the care and like you know character drama Mm -hmm. um but this is the this is like the only paragraph in this entire book where he's tried to break with that a little bit and just give you like some sentence fragments and some like evocative imagery and like, um, it's like the only moment in the entire book where he's tried to do anything else. And it was immediately my favorite part of the whole (laughs) book. I like this one paragraph better than anything else we've read. (laughs) Cause I feel like, I mean, so what he is describing there is, like, uh, I think, like, a literary critic terms for the idea that, like, your prose should be sort of transparent. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Shit. In another life, I knew this better. Well, okay, the point is that he's not the only person who has ever described that as, like, a, a an ideal literary quality. Um, 
In many ways, uh, a lot of like the kind of like classic 19th century realist novels are supposed to be doing something like that. Like, I think that is kind of what Dickens is trying to do is to like show you some people and their lives in a way that in some ha- in some sense, like seems real to you. And that isn't about mm-hmm. like a, you know, like a narrator figure uh, kind of interposing you between interposing between you and the characters but like you were supposed to very directly be kind of experiencing the characters lives um but uh the thing that isn't happening in elantris except maybe in that one paragraph and that does happen in say dickens and i i want to believe happens in later brandon books is that there's something interesting going on in the character's experience like if the narrative is gonna very straightforwardly put you in the head of a character let you see them clearly and not be kind of obfuscating what's going on with them or like trying to create an effect it just wants to literally portray the person's thoughts their experience then i want their thoughts and experience to be like interesting and like uh, right depicted in like compelling detail you know yeah and it's just like it's not happening in elantris like i just think these people's lives are not that interesting and like, the thing, the thing that he hits in an early chapter, and then he's like, oh, I've really got something here, let me do it three more times, is that, like, you have Hraithan summon someone to him and end a chapter on a cliffhanger as Hraithan, like, deliberately keeps you, the reader, out of his, like, you know, thought process and keeps you, the reader, out of his plans. And, like, like... Yeah, Brandon has done this in, like, three different Hraithan chapters now. He, it happens here, too. And it's, like, more interesting than anything else that's happening in the book. <laughs> you know? Um, I have... You've discovered something dark. I have podcast-altering <laughs> discoveries. Oh, God. All right, hit me. <laughs> On BrandonSanderson.com, he has provided... Annotations for every chapter of Elantris? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize you didn't know that. I I, just, I had no idea. I just, uh, I figured we weren't looking at those because I assume they're full of spoilers. No, they seem to be reacting, like, this one starts with... It's like a commentary track, it <clears throat> yeah. seems like. He's like, I'm going somewhere with this whole decor monastery thing. We'll get there eventually. For now, enjoy Hraithan's visions. Or rather, be disturbed by them. Decor, if you haven't noticed, isn't a very friendly place. You skipped one of yes, my favorite I kn- sentences. I wanted to get to, yes, all this time, Hraithan was under the effects of the potion. It was a little contrived not to tell the reader that Hraithan had asked what? for the effects to be temporary. We- but I figured the drama was worth Guys. it. You should have been able to figure it out anyway. It was the only logical reason Hraithan would drink the potion. Yes, yes it was, Brandon. It was very obvious. <laughs> Uh, I'm also just... I, I didn't think that was drama! What? Of all the politickings, maneuverings, and plannings in this book, I think this is the best one. <laughs> in a single brilliant gamble, Hraithan managed to make himself into a saint who is seen to have power over Elantris. He outwitted Serenia and Delaf at the same time, gaining back everything he'd lost during his arguments and self-questioning. This isn't really a twist in my mind. It's something better. 
It's something that makes logical sense, something that carries a plot forward without having to trick the reader, yet still earning wonder and appreciation. In my mind, this sort of plot twist is superior to gimmick surprises. I don't often pull it off, but there's something majestic about a plotting device that is obvious, rational, yet still surprising. I was not surprised! (laughs) Also, it's not a fucking gamble. He knew what was going to happen. Like, he, he got the best... Weed guy, the best, the best pharmacist in the kingdom, to make him a potion that would have this specific effect and wear off. Like, but, there is this maybe like slight moment of doubt in this chapter when he's like been on his knees for five days and he's getting delirious with like hunger and thirst. He starts to wonder like, oh fuck, is it ever gonna wear off? But like, at no point did I, as a reader, believe that it wouldn't wear off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not just going to kill off Raythan in chapter 36. (laughs) There's also a paragraph here about miracles. I I also, like, look, I know that this is kind of snobbish of me, but um, Mm -hmm. this scene of being in Dahor Monastery and, like, hearing the screams of torture and all that, I read... I like to read Gene Wolfe books. One of my favorites is called The Shadow of the Torturer. It is to laugh. Mm -hmm. You didn't scare me, Brandon. You didn't even show anything happening. (laughs) And I guarantee you, I fucking guarantee you that, like, when we actually find out what exactly was going on in Dahora Monastery, like... I'm not trying to say here that I think that, like, it's only really scary to put torture in a book if you show it on screen and the torture itself is, like, super inventive and horrible. Like, it's just that this is very cheesy and the sense of, like, why this monastery does this stuff and what kind of effect it has on the mind has not really been built up. We've just been shown some screams, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's evocative, but it's not like they could be reading Elantris in those supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop! I've read it seven times now. I can't. This time it will be annotated. <laughs> um, uh, Nora, can you please read me the best sentence Brandon Sanderson has ever written? Well, it's two sentences. It's it's two sentences. Decor. One of the better words I came up for with this book, I think. <laughs> He's just keeping a little list in his head of like, ah, oh, decor, that's a really good fantasy bullshit word I made up. <laughs> I, this page is not even loading now. Maybe if I just click it. But are all these... I did not realize that there are annotations for every single chapter... I don't think we should read these for every chapter, but we should maybe check in with these. I, I would... So my proposal... Check in with these for the Horathan ones? My proposal is that somebody should at least skim them all and then bring any, like, worthwhile tidbits. That might be a lot of reading, though. I don't know. If Autumn's gonna delve into the YouTube, I'll delve into the website. (laughs) Thank you for your service, Nora. (laughs) You're welcome. First, the Fortnite Chronicle, (laughs) now... (laughs) Fortnite archive, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, oh, mm. I, one thing I do mm. want to know about these annotations is if all of them are as self-congratulatory as this one. Yes. Well, let me hit you with this. 
from the part one wrap-up annotation. Um, fantasy is a slow-starting genre. Readers expect this, and hopefully they'll invest enough in the story to keep them reading this long. I love the first half of Elantris. It does what I want a book to do. It presents fun characters in interesting situations, then laces their actions with just enough of a thought-provoking air and an edge of excitement that the reader feels justified or fulfilled. Sorry. I'm raising my hand. I'm waiting for Brandon to call on me. Writing is truth, and it should deal with important topics. However, before that truth must come enjoyment, I believe. If a book isn't first and foremost fun to read, then I think the storyteller has failed. Writing is After truth. that, he is... <laughs> Writing is truth? Uh, are we talking about the, like, Karathi faith right now? I'm losing my mind. Kaladin Stormblast is real? He's my boyfriend. <laughs> Brandon, please call on me. I'm uh, sitting in the front row of the class. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it says here... Uh, uh, you put fun characters in interesting situations. I can't see the page anymore. I've, I've blocked the page. I would like to ask what interesting situations you put those quote-unquote fun characters in, because I don't recall them. <laughs> Wasn't there, Ooh. like, at some point we read some kind of Brandon commentary, or not com- just something he'd said, where he was like, yeah, I don't think Elantris was my strongest work. Um. <laughs> yes. I will say that these annotations are from 2005. Uh, okay. Okay, okay. This is important context. Because I, I watched a video from 2019 where he talked about um, the when he got the assignment to finish the Wheel of Time series. And one of the things he mentions offhand is that, like, yes, my editor sent, um, uh, I, I forget her name, but um, Robert Jordan's wife and editor. Like, my editor sent her Mistborn because, well, you know... Sometimes people's first novel is a little rough, but the second novel is where you can really see who they're going to become. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Is <so>. that... <laughs> it is very funny to think about, like, um, the editor for Wheel of Time reading Elantris and being like, why did you even suggest this person? <laughs> uh, oh, so... It turns out that the um the, the last last week's cult episode, the chapter with the cult, uh, is Brandon's second favorite chapter of Elantris. First being uh, the one where Raiden leads Karada to the king's palace. We should. I I see things on this page that I'm I want to talk about, but we should like. <laughs> like I feel like this is. You want to do a Patreon thing, maybe. We should do a Patreon thing yeah. at the end of this book okay. where we talk about our favorite bits from the annotations. Okay. That's what we should do. Yeah. We'll have a wrap-up episode after we finish Elantris and the deleted scenes and the Mad Prince chapter uh, where we discuss the Brandon of 2005 who may or may not have even published Mistborn. I don't think he'd published Mistborn at this point. Damn. Mistborn, uh, 2006. 2006, yeah, yeah, he's probably written it, yeah, he, I mean, he's probably written a couple things, but, yeah, this is from, what, October 2005, for the, uh, chapter 32, we scroll down to, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, we, will we will circle back to these annotations, um, yeah, I, oh, there, there is, you can click, like, show spoiler, 94, uh, 95 more words. 
Uh, yeah, I, I feel like so. going back to the annotations at the end of the book is a good idea, um, especially because I think if we are looking into them with every chapter, Brandon's going to say something stupid and like self-congratulatory probably about every single <laughs> chapter. And if we if we actually comment on this one at a time, I think it'll get boring. So it'd be better maybe if we just yeah. take it in a big chunk and we can just say overall, Brandon, you think the book's good and it's not. Yeah, I feel like I we opened up a really dark door here that like we could make every episode five hours long and we should not. We could have a podcast that's super, super long and have like a whole chunk every week where we talk about the annotation on the website. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. Plugs, I guess. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Um, uh, I can I can uh, you go. Where can people find you online, Mark? Uh, you can find my Twitter at Char Asnablunt, uh, and you can find my other podcast, Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements, at abnormalmapping.com slash whale. Um, yeah, I've uh, been really proud of the of what we're doing recently. Just some, like, the, the book has finally gotten to, like, actual whaling. Like, they killed a whale, they've been processing <laughs> a whale, and uh, I'm finding it all very interesting, so... <laughs> I guess you're having a whale of a good time. Yes, we are. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Um, I just launched another podcast, um, Gotham City Limits. Uh, I'm going to record it pretty much right after we finish up here. Uh, it's about Batman. M and I from the Emerald Mapping Network. We're talking about Batman. If you give us a dollar on Patreon, you can get access to episodes a week early. That's all it is. You should definitely do that. Nora, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. Um, you can send emails to journalupdated at gmail.com about Bioshock because we're recording our episode about Bioshock this weekend. I need to finish Bioshock. Short game. Um, it's longer than I thought it would be, but... Still a short game. Regardless, uh... That's at the second best game dot club if you want to listen. Uh, Saturday, Saturday. What's the what's the date on that? If you're listening to this, twenty six. And you're a patron. On the twenty sixth, I'm gonna stream Ancient Domains of Mystery with Grace. It's gonna be a good time. Hell yeah. Um, if you donate to the Patreon, you'll also get access to my weekly, uh. Let's Play episodes, where I've been playing Ultima 1. After the last episode, I'm going to do a bunch of grinding off-screen. Uh, by grinding, I mean walk between two points on the map to raise my stats. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, there's signposts in the world that if you go to them, they will raise a stat. And if you go to a different signpost, it'll raise another stat. Then you can go back to the first one and get another bonus. <laughs> there's also one that just gives you a weapon. And then the next time you go back to it after touching another signpost, you'll get the next best weapon after that. <laughs> and so you just do it like, I don't know, 13 times, 14 times, and you'll get the blaster, which is the best weapon in the game, which is a laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll make our lich hunting that much easier. Okay. Uh, that game's really frustrating if you don't have any strength strength by the way you can only raise by doing quests for kings you can't actually okay well i would like yeah. to end the podcast before you tell me too much about wizards 
<laughs> one last thing, which is that uh, all of the dialogue in Ultima 1 through 3, I think they change it at some point. It Everyone doth speak in a manner which vexes me. <laughs> Nora, so all of the maybe you should consider yeah? that like all this D and D influenced high fantasy stuff uh, doth contain such manners of speech. <laughs> it's not all the time though, and sometimes it's charming. Like when it, when Elder Scroll when Arena says, "Please wait, uh, uh, thine disc needs be accessed or something." I'm just saying, like. When I read a science fiction novel, I'm not like, damn, these people keep talking about, like, uh, you know, spaceships and, like, all the this these, like, made-up uh, technological terms for what the spaceship does. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I signed up for. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's when it goes into saying art, like, the art... <laughs> And like makes contractions of it. It's just, uh, I'll get used to it, but you will. You know, thou doth gain seven pence when you defeat an enemy in Ultima. So well, until next time, thou doth thanks, Brandon. <laughs> I I thanks, thank Brandon. thee, Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs>